Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, everybody, welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, 1 Kings chapter 7, and the title for today is, It's All About the Why. It's all about the why. What I love about what we're going to see today is Solomon is going to finish up building the temple, but then we get to see at the very end why he built the temple. And that's what I think is so wonderful about this. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But if you like what we're doing here, make sure you leave us a five-star review on the podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our YouTube channel, leaving us a like on the videos. You're leaving us comments because they all help us. We're on the road to 1,000. We're going to get there together. And also make sure you are joining with us at the Facebook discussion group, Bible Breakdown Discussion. Man, the more we dig, the more we find. And we had someone send us an email just yesterday who said, my favorite chapters are the ones where Pastor Brandon messes up all the words because it makes me feel not so bad that I skip over them. <laughs> Which is not what I'm going for, okay? I'm not giving you a really good reason to skip over the words, okay? Those are people's names, and if my name was in the Bible, I'd want you to read it. So read, <laughs> read those words, but I get it, okay? Yes, they're very hard to say, and that was hilarious. So please, Read the names. It's fine. All right. So if you have your Bibles, want to open them up with me to 1 Kings chapter 7. We're going to finish up looking at Solomon building the temple. And like I said, it's just more amazing stuff and more things, as you see, as we talked about yesterday, making it look look a little bit more like the Garden of Eden by the different things he's adding. And then he's also going to be building his house, just, just buildings happening everywhere. But then we're going to see at the very end why he built this. So if you're ready, here we go. 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 1 says this, Solomon also built a palace for himself, and it took him 13 years to complete the construction. Now pause. I've heard people say before, because yesterday at the end of the chapter, it said it took seven years to build the temple. It took 13 years to complete the construction. Now we don't know exactly how this went, but I always have in my head, I try to, try to help Solomon out as much as possible. I always have in my mind that maybe he started building the temple and his house at the same time. And so for the first seven years, he kind of built at his house, focused on the temple, and now he can do the other. I hope that's what happened. I hope it didn't take him twice as long to build his house as it did God's. We'll see. Okay, here we go. Verse 2. One of Solomon's buildings was called the Palace of the Forest of Lebanon. It was 150 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 75, or excuse me, 45 feet high. There were four rows of cedar pillars, and great cedar beams rested on the pillars. The hall had a cedar roof, and above the beams on the pillars were 45-side rooms, arranged in three tiers of 15 each. On each end of the long hall were three rows of windows facing each other. All the doorways and doorposts had rectangular, rectangular frames and were arranged in sets of three facing each other. Solomon also built the Hall of Pillars, which was 75 feet long and 45 feet high. There was a porch in front, along with a canopy supported by pillars. Solomon also built the throne room, known as the Hall of Justice, (laughs) where he sat to hear legal matters. And it was paneled with cedar from floor to ceiling. Now pause. I need that room. 
Okay. I need that room so that when I go into my office, it's called the Hall of Justice. Long before Superman had the, the dawn of justice, there was the Hall of Justice. Okay, anyway, verse 8. Solomon's living quarters surrounded a courtyard behind this hall, and they were constructed the same way. They also built similar living quarters for Pharaoh's daughter, whom he had married. From the foundation to eaves, all these buildings were built from huge blocks of high-quality stone, cut with saws and trimmed to the exact measure on all sides. Some of the huge foundation stones were 15 feet long, and, were, uh, and, and some were 12 feet long. The blocks of high-quality stone used in these walls were also cut to measure, and cedar beams were also used. The walls of the great courtyard were built so that there was one layer of cedar beams between every three layers of finished stone, just like the walls of the inner courtyard of the Lord's temple with its entry room. King Solomon then asked for a man named Huram to come from Tyre. And he was half Israelite since his mother was a widow from the tribe of Naphtali and his father had been a craftsman in bronze from Tyre. Huram was extremely skillful and talented in any work in bronze. So he came to do all the metal work for King Solomon. Huram cast two bronze pillars, each 27 feet tall and 18 feet in circumference. For the tops of the pillars, he cast bronze capitals, each seven and a half feet tall. Each capital was decorated with seven sets of latticework and interwoven chains. He also encircled the latticework with two rows of pomegranates to decorate the capitals over the pillars. The capitals on the columns inside the entry room were shaped like water lilies, and they were six feet tall. The capitals had two pillars and had 200 pomegranates in two rows around them, beside the rounded surface next to the latticework. Huram set the pillars at the entrance of the temple, one toward the south and one toward the north. The name of the one to the south, Jachin, and he named the one in the north, Boaz. The capitals of the pillars were shaped like water lilies, so the work of the pillars was finished. Then... Huram cast a great round basin, 15 feet across from rim to rim, and called it the sea. And the reason why? Because that joker was huge. Okay, it was seven and a half feet deep and about 45 feet in circumference. So they had a seven and a half foot swimming pool made out of bronze. Okay, this is ridiculous. Verse 24, it was encircled just below its rim by two rows of decorative gourds. There was about six gourds per foot all the way around, and they were cast as part of the basin. The sea was placed on a basin of 12 bronze oxen, all facing outward. Three faced the north, three faced the east, three faced the south, and three faced the east again. Okay, I got one of those wrong. One was west, one was east, and the sea rested on them. The walls of the sea were about three inches thick, and its rim flared out like a cup and resembled the water uh, lily blossoms. It could hold, <laughs> it could hold about eleven thousand gallons of water. That's why they called it the sea. Verse twenty-seven. Huram also made ten bronze water carts, each six feet long, six feet wide, and four and a half feet tall. They were constructed with side panels braced with crossbars. Both the panels and the crossbars were decorated with carved lions, oxen, and cherubim. 
Above and below, the lions and oxen were wreath decorations. Each of these carts had four bronze wheels and bronze axles. They were supporting posts for bronze basins at the corners of the carts. These supports were decorated on each side with carvings of wreaths. The top of each cart had a rounded frame for the basin. It projected one and a half feet above the cart's top like a round pedestal. And its opening was two and a half feet across, and it was decorated on the outside with carvings of wreaths. The panels of the carts were square, not round, because that matters. 32. Under the panel were four wheels, and they were connected to axles that had been cast as one unit with the cart. The wheels were two and a half feet in diameter and were similar to chariot wheels. The axles, spokes, rims, and hubs were all cast of molten bronze. They were handles at each of the four corners of the carts, and these two were cast as one unit with the cart. Around the top of each cart was a rim nine inches wide. The corner supports and side panels were cast as one unit in the cart. Carvings of cherubim, lions, and palm trees decorated panels and corners and supports wherever there was room, and there were wreaths all around. All ten water carts were the same size and were made alike. Each was cast from the same mold. Hurum also made ten smaller bronze basins, one for each cart. Each basin was six feet across and could hold 220 gallons of water. He then set five water carts on the south side of the temple and five on the north side. The great bronze basins were called the sea, called the sea was placed near the southeast corner of the temple. He also made the necessary wash basins, shovels, and bowls. So, at last, Hiram completed everything King Solomon had assigned him to make for the temple of the Lord. Two pillars, two bowl-shaped capitals on top of the pillars, two networks of interwoven chains that decorated the capitals, 400 pomegranates that hung from the chains on the capitals, two rows of pomegranates for each of the chain networks that decorated the capital on top of the pillars, then... Ten water carts holding ten basins, the sea and the twelve oxen under it, the ash buckets, the shovels, and the bowls. Hiram made all these things and of burnished bronze for the temple of the Lord, just as King Solomon had directed. The king had them cast in clay molds in the Jordan Valley between Succoth and Zerthun. Solomon did not weigh all these things because there were so many, the weight of the bronze could not be measured. Solomon also made all the furnishings for the temple of the Lord, the golden altar, the gold table of the bread of presence, the lampstand of solid gold, five from the south and five from the north, in front of the most holy place, the flowers, decorations, lamps, and tongs, of course, all of gold, small bowls, lamp snuffers, bowls, ladles, and incense burners of, you guessed it, solid gold, and the doors of the entrance to the most holy place and the main room of the temple were with their fronts overlaid with gold. And then here we go, verse 51. So King Solomon finished all of his work on the temple of the Lord. Then he brought all the gifts his father David had dedicated, the silver, the gold, and the various articles, and he stored them in the treasuries of the Lord's temple. That part right there is what gets me. We read a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things that they built, and they wanted to tell us all the details. And that's fine. But this is the part that gets me. is because this is why it was built. It's not 
how beautiful it is, even though it was, it was beautiful, it's why this beautiful building was built. And it was built to house worship. The reason why David gave these things was as an offering of worship to the Lord. He wanted these things to go toward the work of God. And which, by the way, when we give to the Lord, when we give our tithe and we give our offering, we're giving as an act of worship to the Lord. And the reason why Solomon did all of this was so that it could be an act of worship to the Lord. It's beautiful and it's wonderful, but its purpose is worship. And can I tell you, that's what God wants from all of us. He, he loves it when we do wonderful things. He loves it when great things happen. But the ultimate goal he's interested in is relationship. He's interested in worship. If Solomon had built this wonderful building, but he never turned it into a house of worship, it would have been a wonderful building, but within a generation, it would have been gone. It's because he built a wonderful building, so then it could be a tool of worship that God blessed him the way he did. Can I tell you, so many times, I think we get caught up with building buildings, with doing great things for God, that we forget that the reason why God wants to do these things through us is because he wants relationship with us. His goal is not the great things we do. It's about who we become in the process. It's about doing things with us. So the takeaway for us today is, yes, it's wonderful to do great things for God. It's, it's great to aspire to great things. You know, the, the overall idea of 1 Kings is our history tells a story, but it doesn't tell the whole story because God is always at work. Those are all wonderful things. It's important to realize that the goal of all these things is not just to build great things. The goal is not greatness. The goal is relationship. And that's what God wants for you. So maybe for just a season, it's important not to focus on greatness, but to focus on relationship and watch how that works. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you're with us and you're for us. Lord, you're with us. We want to do great things. Lord, you have even greater plans for us than we can imagine. But the great plans for us is always wrapped in worship. I pray today that we'll remember that and we'll give ourselves more fully to worshiping you in spirit and in truth and to watch what that does in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we want to serve God with all of our hearts, we need to remember Elijah's challenge to the nation of Israel and to us as well. In 1 Kings chapter 18, when he said this, he said, How much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. That's my challenge to you today. Follow God with all of your heart and watch what he does in your life. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow at 1 Kings chapter 8.